You're listening to The Brand Compass, conversations to navigate your way to building a brand fit for purpose and poised for success. Here's your host, Shelley Rosland. Hello there, my friend, and welcome back. And thank you for choosing to listen to us today. All the topics and discussions on this show are about digging into that cross-section where your brand meets the humans you serve. I'm Shelley, and I'm your host on this conversational journey. And today we are going to get real people. We are going to knock on that door where all your limiting beliefs are hiding away about what your ideal working lifestyle has to look like. Now, did you hear what I said there? Has to. Now, that was on purpose. And the reason I chose this topic is because it's one that I bring up quite early on inside of my group program where I work with service-based micro-businesses. I'm really passionate about them tackling two really big subjects when they're navigating their next steps along their business journey. And those are, number one, what's the vision of what it is that they want to create and therefore their business purpose within the context of that vision? And number two, what their ideal working life is. Now, in this episode, we're going to chew into that second point. The reason why it's really important to tackle this question about your ideal working life is because once you have a handle on that, it will directly inform how you structure your business model, the mechanism by which you are earning your revenue or income. So to help me on this meaty topic, I thought it's best to bring in a superb expert in this arena. So I've invited back my good friend, Ali O'Leary, to work through this topic with me. So she's been on the show already. So she was in episode two. But if you missed that episode, let me just give you a quick background to Ali so you've got some context as to why I've brought her into the show today. So Ali is a certified life and career coach specializing in career change to facilitate life change and is an ideal life advocate. She's the founder and designer of the Work Wonderland process, her own proprietary way of helping people to place their unique strengths, gifts, and passions at the heart of their decision-making and planning. And she's agreed to come on to work with you and me to flesh out how to work out what your ideal working life is. Welcome, Ali. Yay. <laughs> Thank you very much for that very excellent introduction. <laughs> I think I'm going to become famous for my introductions. <laughs> That's going to be my thing. <laughs> Screw brand strategy, introductions. <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> but it gives us context, doesn't it? Like, why should we listen to these people when we bring them on, right? Because you're good at what you do. <laughs> right. So, What I'd like to do, Ali, is just kick off the conversation maybe with a little bit of concept definition, if you like, so that maybe our listeners can kind of grapple with what we're going to try and get in today. So maybe you could decipher for us what the word ideal means. How would you... How would you put that in context? Well, for me and for a lot of the work that I do, as you said, people tend to have a very specific idea about what their working day and kind of and life needs to look like. But when you know, when you've got your own business, the opportunity is to shape it exactly as you see fit. And the word ide- you know, ideal for me means it's very specific to the individual. 
It's got to fit you and what you need and what you want to get out of your own business. And, you know, whether that's from a revenue perspective, but more importantly, a lifestyle perspective, you know, because a lot of people leave employment because, you know, full-time employment and, and, and set up their own gigs because they want the freedom to be able to work the way they want to work and do the kind of work that they enjoy most. So, you know, ideal could mean very different things to very different people dependent on your own, you know, your own likes and dislikes and preferences. And also the seasonal life that you're in at the time. Totally. Totally. So inside the uh, group program and all the consulting work that I do with subject matter experts on one-to-one, I urge them to do this exercise to work out their ideal working lifestyle. And I try to move a little bit away from work-life balance because that's not really my field because I feel like your working lifestyle is going to be informed and dictated quite a bit, like you say, around where you are in your life, your season of life and yeah. what you want. But I know that you have a lot of what you call this ideal life advocacy work that kind of threads through all of the career mm. coaching that you do with people. So maybe you can discuss this a little bit and, and dig into it a bit so we can get a feel for, you know, what what should we be focusing on when we're trying to narrow down on what this ideal looks like? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I've got an exercise that I run with clients quite regularly around their ideal work day, for example. You know, so on an average working day, nice. what are your requirements? You know, what are your deal breakers? And we break it down into really practical things. So, for example, you know, particularly when they, if they're at the very beginning of their journey, you know, I get them to think about things like location. Like, where do you actually want to be based? Do, do you want to be home-based? Do you want to be abroad? Do you want to be in an office? Do you want to be working from home? You know, if, if you're outside of the, if you're if you're going to an office somewhere, how far away do you want it to be from where you live? So you start to get really specific about the criteria around that kind of thing. So whether it's location, whether it's working environment, what do you want your environment to actually look like? You know, like what 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 bring make what energizes you or makes you feel calm or makes you feel good. So we get really specific about those sorts of details. You know, what does your perfect setting look like? We look at things like I get them to consider even things down to clothing. You know, what's going to make you most happy in your work life in terms of how you dress? You know, do you want to be formal? Do you want to be casual? Do you want to be in sportswear? Do you, you know, do you want to wear unusual oh, what's things? The, what's like the new that, thing? Ath- athleisure. athleisure. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I haven't even heard of that. But, uh, oh, lounge yeah. leisure. Lounge oh, leisure. Lounge leisure. Yeah. So basically, be able to wear your PJs to work. But yeah, but you know, what styles, what fabrics, what, you know, like what's going to make you feel at your best and, you know, most comfortable so that you can operate to the best of your ability. You know, I get people to think about what are the types of people, and if if you're thinking about ideal work and an ideal day, what are the sorts of people that you want to be working with? You know, whether they are colleagues eventually, you know, whether they're freelancers you're hiring in, whether they're clients. If you want to work with people at all. Or if you want to work with people at all, right? Yeah. So, you know, but what sorts of people are they? What characteristics have they got? What does that, what really works for you? And then an important one is obviously work structure. You know, so how many days do you want to work per week? How many hours a day? And and do you want to, are you best working, for example, are you better working in the morning than in the afternoon? Or are you an evening worker? And, and nice. you know, do you prefer to work flexibly? So sort of do a chunk of work and then take, a, you know, a decent sized break, go out, go do something else, you know, and then come back to it? Or are you somebody that likes to sit and focus for a long period of time and then have an absolute definite finish time? So get people to think about, what, you know, their own preferences and what really works for them. Because, you know, a lot of the times when, when we come out of, you know, paid employment, 
we've all been very used to working, <laughs> you know, well, from, from eight, yeah, eight in the morning, your ideas are sat at your desk and you're still there at seven o'clock at night and it's just like a straight run, you know, so a lot of my clients definitely have that experience. And then they come out thinking that that's what productivity looks like and that's what, how, how it has to be. And of course it doesn't. So really thinking about what you want in terms of work structure is, is absolutely important. Yeah, and also what it's going to end up doing, as we know, because we're both running our own micro business as well, and most of the people listening are as well, is that that's then going to inform what your business model is going to look like in terms of how you're generating income and yeah. what that actually looks like. Yeah. So I think that's the bit that's, that's important to always come back to. But like you rightly say, there are so many things to think about and it's really useful to sit down and think about those things because yeah. actually in the past those things weren't really an option for us it was like you got a job <laughs> it was in an office you were given a computer you know yeah. unless you're a, a, <laughs> a game ranger which time and be dressed in a particular way and, and exactly. you know that was it yeah and that was it and I mean it's it's just the world is just so different now so I think there is a, there's an I'm, I'm trying to think now, I went, I went to this workshop uh, in San Diego, I think I shared a little bit with you in an email about this, but that was run by, was that Social Media Marketing World? And it was Duncan Wardle, who is um, the ex or former head of innovation and creativity at Disney. And today what he does is he travels all around the country and the world, actually, he's uh, from the UK, but he travels around the world and speaks and consults and teaches people how to actually break what he calls their rivers of thinking, right? So he explained, and I'll put this in the show notes for everybody because it's a useful little thing to do. And I do talk to the participants within our group program and playing this what if, imagine if game because he, he showed a very cool example where this is the way Walt Disney used to do things when people used to say no to him, right? So he'd have an idea and people used to say no to him. So back in 1940, can't remember if it was Fantasia, you know, you know, the, the one with, is Mickey Mouse the yeah, conductor, Mouse, I think, yeah. right? And then there's all of these magical things happen in Fantasia. He really wanted to make that an experience for people going to the cinema. So he wanted like, and he wanted water, you know, the 4D, 3D, 4D experience that we have today, which is normal and you can buy and do that. But in 1940, it was like, no, you can't do that. It's a 2D experience. You have to you know fit within what the cinema did and mm. by doing the what if and imagine if exercise and there's a couple of ways to run that i'll put the video in the show notes so what he got to is the idea of disneyland eventually because everyone is <laughs> yeah. telling him the rules for the cinema he says well what if i got actors to dress up and then like walk amongst the people what if I got this to happen and that to happen? Because you telling me I can only do one thing at a time and sit in a chair and only do this thing. And he mm. said, well, if that's the rule, what if I can imagine something completely different? And eventually, so what was it, 15 years later, with all the planning in the building, uh, mm. Disneyland arrived Amazing. because of that. Yeah. So, I mean, you must, the reason I share that example as well is, is you've got, I mean, you as a coach must have mm. a way of expertly you know, breaking through people's stubborn rivers of thinking yeah. right? or knee-jerk, <laughs> knee-jerk reactions to things. People are like, oh, it's yeah. not possible because of this. You're like, how, how can you help anyone listening now? It goes, well, actually, I can only do my job in this way. You know, what are the kinds of things that you would kind of prompt them? 
Well, it, 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 that comes down to a lot of that stuff comes down, as you described at the beginning, to limiting beliefs about what is and is not possible. You know, and our beliefs are based on our previous experiences, right? And particularly if you've come out of a corporate world and it's you know the way you've worked has been one set way for quite a long time, it, it you know it drills into you that it can't be any other way. And so, you know, when people are struggling with that, I take them through exercises that get them to challenge their own mind's thinking, you know, so if they say, you know, it is not possible, you know, I have to work from nine, I have to sit at my desk from nine till six every day. And basically, that's what productivity looks like. I get them to come up with and challenge their brain to come up with specific examples where that's not necessarily true. So, you know, where they haven't worked from nine till six on one day you know, whether, whether in their old corporate life or, or now mm-hmm. to, uh, and where it's been perfectly fine and they've made progress and, and, you know, and they've been productive and it takes a bit of a while because our brains resist <laughs> thinking in a different way, you know, and, that, and that's very natural because our brains pre- pre- absolutely prefer repetitive, negative thought because that's the way we're And being safe is trying to and keep you safe. safe all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But if you, if you, and I do this, this work a lot with people, if you actually challenge your own mind's thinking, and just force yourself to sit through and come up with concrete, specific examples for the total opposite of what you're telling yourself, whether it's your own experience or somebody else's. Every time you do, you burn new neural pathways in your brain, right? And they're very light compared to the old trenches that are, you know, to, for the old ways of thinking that you've been subscribed to for a long time. But the more you practice it and the more you challenge it, the stronger those neural pathways become until eventually it just becomes the new way you think. And it's, you know, and it sounds really complicated, but it honestly isn't. It is ju- it's just taking the time to recognize what you're telling yourself, <laughs> you know, and, and then challenging it with specific examples for the, for the complete opposite. Yeah, no, 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 that's brilliant. And I think what's also happened over the last, I must say, probably last 10 years is like neuroscience and knowledge about brain and mindset and all of that kind of stuff has become a lot more commercialized in terms of accessibility for people to start really understanding because what we've got to realize is we're all very unique human beings so cookie cutter approach to here's your cubicle here's your laptop be productive forcefully (laughs) from and what like you say what does productive look like yeah and i I think sometimes it's useful to, and, and you brought that up a little bit earlier where you were saying this bit about like, when do you operate best? So, so for me, if I had to reflect that, and I'll ask you to maybe reflect on yourself as well. Mm. I, I know I'm better in the morning. So I know like if I can just get to it in the morning, my brain is a lot, you know, my connections are quicker. I'm much faster. Yeah. So over and above that, though, I also know that I work at a pace that is a lot faster than most. So I, you know, maybe it's because, you know, you get better and better at what you do over time. So it's remembering, well, actually, I don't need to do that six to eight hours because actually I can do that in four hours with the amount of output or value I create in that time. That for me is actually a day's work. Have you found anything from your, you know, so you've also been self-employed now for quite a while. Mm. Have you found like what your perfect kind of, you know, what works for Ellie? Yeah. So well, I'm a morning person without a doubt. And so I try and schedule all of my coaching work, you know, through the day. You know, I try, I, I typically I'll have a hard stop at, at six o'clock in the evening because beyond that, I'm, I'm, you know, my brain is mush and you won't get the best out of me. And for me, it's quite important that I, so I, it's important for me, I start early because I get up early, but that means I go to bed early. 
So for me, my whole day and the way it's structured, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm typically, and, and my family find this hilarious, I will typically go to bed at nine o'clock most nights just to read and kind of wind myself down in order that when I wake up super early in the morning, I'm, right, I'm on it and I'm ready to roll. So that absolutely works for me. And the other thing is, it's really important for, 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 uh, you know, for me to be at my best, for, to, to feel a lot of freedom in what I do and in the hours that I work and how I, how I operate. So I don't, I don't aim to sort of have a specific pattern every day where I'm going to do at least four coach calls or that's my goal in terms of revenue. I don't look at it like that because that makes me feel trapped. <laughs> and so I'm much better if things are fluid and I can pick and choose and I can take the odd day off in the middle of the week because I can. And so I, that, that for me makes me feel so much better about like, the way in which I work just, you know, knowing that I'd give myself that freedom. And then I do take it, you know, I will take all days, I'll take all afternoons, I'll go and do fun things because I can, or because, you know, that was the whole, partly, you know, it was, it was half of the point of me doing this and becoming self-employed was to ensure I had a really good balance that worked for me. Yeah. And this is the bit like you, uh, the, the work that you try and thread through everything you're doing with your clients is when you are actually coaching them, you're not just coaching them about the career. You're coaching them about their career within the context of them as a human working yeah. in a 24 hour cycle. Yeah. So if you had to think about the little segments of the pie, if you like, you know, um, God, when I, when I studied a bit of coaching and this is like more than 15 years ago, there was this kind of very simplistic view of, of, uh, you know, your life as a pie and you've got oh, all yeah. these little segments, <laughs> right? <laughs> Obviously coaching has improved since then, but if we had to think of it, if we had to think about it simplistically like that as well, what would you say, like, if when you start out fresh with a new client, whether they, you know, because it doesn't matter why they come to you, Ali, you still kind of almost push it through the same methodology, don't you, in terms yeah. of dialing up and dialing down where you think they need the help the most. But ultimately, people need to realize that. And I know that there are the different elements to being human and actually what are the bits that make you mentally well, mm -hmm. physically well. And I know Michael Hyatt talks about, I think there were four or five, he talks about four or five kind of areas like you need to have connection. You need to get a bit of nature because actually whether you like it or not, you are connected to yeah. earth. <laughs> yeah. You need these kinds of things. Do you, do you have a kind of little segments to that pie that people can kind of identify in their mind and go, well, actually I'm lacking severely in that segment. I didn't even know that was a segment of my life. So it sort of comes up through, I don't, it's not structured like that, like you said, in that kind of like that pie with the various pieces, yeah. but it comes up through yeah. the type of work that I do with people, you know, because when we zone in on, on, you know, things like people's personal values, like we've talked about before, or their natural strengths, you know, it, it brings to like what's important and what they really enjoy and what they need versus how they're actually living and working right now. So I've had a number yeah. of clients, for example, where they've recognized that they're, they're in the wrong location. So they've been living and working, for example, in the center of a city for forever because that's where their corporate job was. But through the process of recognized that actually what's really important to them personally is that being outdoors and being in nature and having time to just go hiking or like whatever it is that they're personally interested in. And so I've had clients make decisions and, and physically move to, to somewhere that gives them what they need, you know, and then to build their lifestyle around that and their working choices around that. So it sort of comes up through the process, dependent on the individual. 
Yeah. You know, but people are often surprised. You know, it's surprised sometimes. It, you know, it, like something, you know, something will come up in the area of like spirituality, for example. You know, and they might have a particular mm. interest and kind of you know area in that, but they don't really play to it very much, or they don't give it much time and energy. And so, you know, as part of the process, I help them look at what could they be doing to connect to that more readily. You know, whatever that might look like for them, and make that part and parcel of their routine. So, you know, it can cover all sorts. Yeah, yeah. And I think we also forget to keep calibrating that over time because you might do that exercise at 25. Yeah. And then you get to 35 (laughs) and 45 and 55. Yeah. And if you do have children or you end up having animals or not children or Mm. whatever it is, you have different needs and demands. Yeah in your life in those times. And what might happen is like when you do get emptiness and the kids move on, you're so used to being in the structure and the format yeah. of your working lifestyle because of that, you've almost got to keep reminding us like, well, actually the kids are gone now. So actually the times of the day that I can do things has slightly shifted okay. now. So actually, yeah. yeah. Or, you know, just to re-remember what you really liked in the first place that you've shelved. Yes. Because, you know, Before you became other, all other this disparate human. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I've got I had one client recently who was exactly in that boat. I mean, he, he had, he's he got two small children, you know, and life changed dramatically because of that. But it meant yeah. that he didn't have time for this, the personal kind of hobbies mm-hmm. that he actually really loved. And a lot of that was sort of adrenaline fueled activities. And so, but it left him feeling really de-energized and, and, and sort of, yeah. you know, and, and so recognize, he, he didn't even recognize that that was important until we went through the values work and it came out very strongly and it was, you know and then i asked the question so how much of this are you doing and like where where, where is this sense of like the sense of adventure in you know in the way in which you're living your life and the things you're doing and it was like well there isn't any because i haven't you know i haven't had time for it or i just have had to deprioritize it and so i go you know so well, then i'm not I sleeping asking, <laughs> yeah yeah you know but it's like well what could you do what could you reintroduce it doesn't have to be huge things but just small no. things that play to what's important to you to to you know bring the energy back mm, and kind of like it's just keep reminding yourself where that compass point is sitting, isn't it? So that you you bring bring things back to what your ideal working life is, but in calibration with your values, like you say, of, of what is important to you as well. Because sometimes you do have to shift what complete ideal looks like because you do have too many obligations yeah. going on at the same time. But it doesn't mean it's forever. But as long as you remember to come back and go, actually, what do I want? What, what yeah. am I missing from what it is that I'm doing? Um, I think it's a very tricky, and I think this is why I wanted you to come on the show is because it's incredibly um, tricky for people who have been in really traditional roles and in, especially in um, employment because I know for myself, I was very hard on myself when I went self-employed. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'd, be get, I'd like really beat myself up if I was not at my desk at a certain time and if I did not stay at my desk until a certain time. Mm-hmm. And then I had my baby and I was like, well, why can't you? You, you, you have to still do this shit because that's, yeah. that's what working looks like. But, you know, luckily that has changed 
over time as well. But I think you can be your own worst enemy, your own worst oh, boss. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I was exactly the same when I started, exactly the same. And it was, you know, you know that kind of forcing yourself to sit at your desk when you're first starting and you, you're not overrun with work because when you first start, you're not going to be. And you're still forcing yourself to sit at your desk and do the hours. And it's like madness, you know. It would be much better if I take myself off for a walk to come up with ideas about what I could do to generate, you know, interest and, and, and work than just sitting at my desk, you know, like force fitting. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's yeah. the hours, but not really achieving very much. And this is the other thing I'd probably say to anybody listening who is a subject matter expert or a knowledge worker, someone who is a consultant or advising or guiding or mentoring or educating people, is that we use our brain a lot, you know, and a part of part of that bit about your brain is is like you say is having those walk having those those spaces of quiet spaces, and yeah. thinking time because actually sometimes you just got to think things through yeah and you need you need that time and you can't actually do that at your desk <laughs> i know i know i think i can but i really really can't <laughs> No, no, I always have my absolute best ideas on holiday when I have dropped out completely. I've just just switched my brain off. I've allowed myself to just think nothing. And I've got so relaxed. And then I'll go for a walk on the beach at five o'clock in the morning. And then I'm like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and all the best ideas come for the programs I run and the things I do. And it's like, wow, you know, because you've given yourself. Why didn't I do this sooner? Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we talked about in our little pre-show uh, chat about a couple of examples just so people could realize like what is possible, mm-hmm. you know, for, for not being that traditional, I have to be at my computer or I have to be in front yeah. of a client all day. And hopefully over the pandemic, people have realized that there is a lot more flexibility now in terms of how you can actually position stuff and package stuff. But maybe between us, if we just like, do you want to share one of the examples that you gave? And then I might, I might share, share mine. Share yours. Absolutely. Well, well, like the example we we talked about was like, so I follow um, a really successful coach in the States because I'm always looking for inspiration, you know, and, 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 this woman has, you know, right from the very beginning, you know, she came out of a very a corporate career. She went, and, and when she started, right from the very beginning, she set her parameters for work. And, and one of those parameters was, I only want to work four days a week. I want every single Friday off because I'm going to work for myself. That's what I want. And so she wasn't fun Fridays. <laughs> and she is systematically kept to that. And every single Friday she has off and she has very structured about her working hours. So she starts early and she finishes at four every single day. And she, the whole ethos of her choices, and I think this is actually really important. It's something we tend, we, we get, tend to get taught isn't, isn't the right approach, is, is to put fun at the heart of everything she chooses. So, you know, when she's thinking about the services that she creates and offers, when she's thinking about how she spends her time, she chooses what feels most fun, most engaging to her. And and it, it honestly, she makes millions. So it, it absolutely works. You know, she's really strict with herself on it. If she runs programs and she gets tired of them or she feels like they lose steam, she'll just close them down and come up with something else. Take herself off for those walks and, and you know, and come up with ideas. And, and mm-hmm. it's she's just proved that you can absolutely make money if that's your goal. It's not everybody's goal to, you know, to be a millionaire. But if that, if that is, you can absolutely do it by working the way that works best for you without following the, you know, the old patterns. 
And you'd be more energized and more passionate mm. and even of more value to your Absolutely. clients because and that's you're argument. doing the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and she, it's not to say she's not committed and she doesn't put some hours in because she does, but it's very contained. She, she has clear working hours that she works to. She won't go beyond it. And, you know, and it means that she is always feeling sort of pepped up and engaged by what she's doing, you know, and utilizing the hours she is working. So thinking about her and you're a coach. What have, what have you, have you been good about designing your ideal working life or have you gone off a bit kilter, but you're hoping to get back to it soon? <laughs> so, well, it goes up and down, right? Because it's a work in progress. These things are, sometimes I'm brilliant at it, you know, and I'm really clear and I have click off points and, you know, and I, I, I try and have a, a very specific working hours that work for me. And sometimes I just say yes to everything <laughs> and then I'm right by, you know, and then it's like, oh God, I'm, it's like full, uh, st- like steam train yeah. and, uh, you know, full throttle. But you, you have, you have adventure in your values as well, right? Yeah. Like your outdoor stuff. So like, yeah. how do you fit your adrenaline stuff in there? So for me, that is making sure that I book those things in, you know, so, you know, whether there's odd days during the week or whether they are weekends away, it's, you know, for me, I love being outdoors. And so, I share this with my brother and my sister. So we did, we, we have an annual weekend away together where we go and we just do fun stuff. And we go and swim in the sea and we're just like, you know, adventure things. I, you know, I, I book odd, odd days with, with friends or family members to do things like gorge walking or paragliding or, you know, like, so because I love that stuff and it's, it, it's, it's, it enthuses, it enthuses me massively. And so it's just about booking it in so that it actually happens. You know, so I'm quite strict with myself on that. Well, I think that goes for anything. It doesn't happen unless it's in the diary That's and it. it's booked. That's it. <laughs> I think I, I need to be better at that. I think one of my goals uh, for this year particularly was because uh, I spent quite a bit of time doing product development in the last 18, 18 months or so. I'm quite like, I'm like knackered from that mm. completely. So, and and what what happens as a result of that is that I don't always get that time even just with with my friends. And I, I moved countries and I moved towns. So I moved from South Africa uh, to uh, the UK. And then when I was in the UK, I lived in Greenwich for five years. And I, I met you during that t- life, life chapter of mine. And then um, then I moved to Northampton. So I kind of like, I don't have people that like, you know, shared history is a really important thing, right? Yeah. So, so I've kind of made friends with doggy friends. <laughs> More so than kitty friends, right? But what I what one of my things was to each week put in a even if it's an hour of coffee and go to somebody's house or an hour's yeah. walk or something with the dog, but with a friend and their dog. So I've tried to do that, and I'm starting. I've managed two weeks. Okay. <laughs> But I also tried to do like four day and the fifth day off. So, so I am trying to keep to that as well uh, when I'm not running my group program. But like you say, you know, and also try and not book calls on a Monday or a Friday. So I only take calls Tuesday yeah, to Thursday and I try point. and batch. I do the same thing. Monday, Mondays mostly are my content day. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I try, I mean, occasionally I will if it, but, but I try and I'm pretty good at sticking to that. So at least Monday for the first half of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm writing, I'm not, I'm not coaching, I'm not doing anything else. And that makes a big difference to the start of the week and the way mentally, just how you, it eases you into the week. The other thing I do yeah. is I've got like, so I, I, um, I took a course 
course, probably about three years ago now. And I got put into a group with this course. And when it, it was only a year long. And when it finished, we all agreed because we all really enjoyed it. And we, we got on really well that we would continue. And so we still have a weekly call at the end of a Monday to catch up and, and you know, and to practice oh, nice. stuff that, that we, you know, we learned on the course. And that also is like, it's in my diary and I don't move it. Unless I've got some other major thing I've got to do that takes me away from work completely, I I prioritize doing that call because it's good for me and it feels good. And it's just, again, it's like getting together with like-minded people to share stuff. And, yeah. and you know when you're a, when you're a, a, a you know business of one team of one it's like yeah. that just it all helps yeah no definitely no that's great that's, and it's good to do uh those things as well so it's mixing up what your work day or your work week looks like yeah. so um it's not just all about doing one type of thing all the time oh the only example i was going to share because we I mean we need to pull this to a close quickly was i'd heard about this lady in a keynote speech a keynote talk done by Drew Davis, who I absolutely adore. And he he shared the story about Jenny Doan, who runs the Missouri Star Quilting Company. And the story around Jenny was just like, it kind of like it smashed the barriers of what you could actually do if you got really passionate about a particular topic or subject. And hers was, was quilting. And Basically, after the first recession, you know, to, uh, well, first, you know, in our kind of adult lifetime was 2008, right? So her and her husband lost quite a bit of their life savings during that. And they ended up buying her a quilting machine and she started to like sew other people's like, you know, the little quilting patches mm-hmm. and that into quilts for people. And the demand got quite high and then they decided, okay, well, we'll start selling fabric and they started selling fabric and they created a website. Da, 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 but then Business was quite slow. They still weren't making enough money. So her kids, her kids um, suggested that she started a YouTube channel. So she started a YouTube channel and it just like went berserk. And she's literally just doing how-to how videos on how to cut fabric, how to put quilts together and whatnot. And she created such a following that they ended up opening a physical store that people could actually physically come to. And they just made it like Disney World. Like it was the best place to come to. <laughs> for fabric right and what happened is her little town in the middle of nowhere just became like inundated with all these people arriving (laughs) like these sewing fanatics right and long story short she ended up buying a hotel and then she kind of had these special retreats that you'd come and you'd learn sewing and you'd (laughs) but then the husbands would come too and then they're like oh crap what do we do with the husbands because they're bored they don't want to come sewing (laughs) So she bought a bar, a sports bar or something. I can't remember if it was in the hotel or next door to the hotel. So the husbands would come and then they would go off <laughs> and they'd sit in their sports bar and like man huddle. <laughs> um, and what was just really interesting about the story was like she could have just sat sewing stuff and sitting at home. But because they just started doing other things and they tried experimenting with different things and then they just connected so much with people. That, it, you know, the way they generate income completely, like, exploded. And she mm. became, like, the biggest employer in her town. <laughs> it's now called Quilt Town USA. And I'll put the link in the show notes. But I just thought, be more like Jenny. You know, just think <laughs> deeper about your topic and get to know your audience. You never know. Yeah. I like, just you, if you channel in on what you really enjoy and what you find fun, look what you can do. 
look where you can do and who you end up attracting, I think, as well. I think sometimes your clients might start to inform you more about what ideal looks like, isn't it? Like you said, choosing the people that you're working with. Yeah. That was a good topic, wasn't it? <laughs> Thank you, Ali. <laughs> oh, it's really, really wonderful having you back on the show. And I really look forward to tackling, Ali and I are going to tackle that other big topic of vision and purpose on another episode. So that will be coming up. But thank you so much for uh, coming on, Ali. It's always so much oh, fun and it's very insightful having you on. <laughs> Now, for anyone who hasn't been, uh, hasn't listened to the first episode with you, how can they find out or learn more about you? Oh, they can just, just my website, www.livetrue.co.uk. Lovely. And we'll pop that in the show notes as well. So everybody's got a really quick reference to that. Okay. And that is it for this episode, folks. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to us today. So what are you going to do now to reflect on what your ideal working lifestyle could be? Does it involve mapping out what working times look like? where you physically do your work, how you price your work, how you package your work, or even how you actually deliver your work to your clients. I'd urge you to take an hour out in this next week and sit with this topic. It could be a defining moment for you in your business journey. Don't want to do it alone? No problemo. Just share this episode with one of your friends and then book a time to go and sit somewhere nice and quietly and do the exercise together. And let me know if you do do that. Tag me on Instagram at Shelly Rosland and give me a shot of you two working somewhere really lovely. If you find a nice place to work, I'm always looking for new places to work. And pop me a question if you get stuck. But until next time, stay strong, believe you have value and make good brand decisions. Thank you for listening to The Brand Compass. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share it with your entrepreneurial friends and help them make good brand decisions. Until next time, let's keep the conversation going at ShellyRosland.com.